What's up, y'all? It's Will here at Schedulefly. Uh, really happy that we had an opportunity to speak with Sam Semeni today. Sam's been a longtime customer of Schedulefly uh, and a longtime supporter. I've spoken to him many times over the years. Just always just a, a cool guy and uh, always fun to talk to and just a good dude. And he started out at age 19, you know, a couple of decades ago, sort of a last second opportunity to basically throw on a security shirt and be a, a bouncer at a nightclub one night when he was 19. And now <clears throat> here we are a little over 20 years later, he and his business partner have um, the Semini Group, um, S-A-M-E-N-I. So if you go to Semini Companies, S-A-M-E-N-I, SeminiCompanies.com, you'll see all the various businesses that they have and that they run very successfully down in Dallas. And Sam and I had a wonderful conversation Super dude, very genuine, very down to earth, very authentic, humble, and uh, just has a lot of business savvy. So I really enjoyed having this opportunity. I know you you enjoy listening to Sam, and you know once again uh, we don't have sponsors. We are the sponsor, Schedule Fly. Um, we have a very simple, easy restaurant employee scheduling software, web based, and uh, we take great care of our customers. If that sounds like something that might be interesting, check us out at schedulefly.com. Hey, thank you all for listening. Appreciate you. Take care. Have a good one. Oh, by the way, uh, if you have a moment, rate the podcast. Uh, and every time we get a rating, it, it helps us out in a lot of ways. So thank you so much. Will, how are you, brother? Oh, man. Sam, I'm great. Good to see you. Likewise, buddy. You doing all right? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well, man. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do this today. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Happy to do it. Um, I tell you what, uh, do me a favor, Sam. Just introduce yourself. Well, my name is Sam Semeni. I own SS Hospitality Group along with my business partner. We own and operate 11 restaurant and hospitality venues in Texas. Uh, in addition to our venues, we own another company that puts on large-scale festivals. So we do margarita festivals, uh, taco festivals, uh, different festivals kind of targeting our usual kind of customer base. Uh, we have another venture where we import a lot of nightlife supplies, and we wholesale those out to different either businesses or distributors, et cetera. So pretty busy. Yeah, dude. Well, I, you know, I went to your... Uh semini group uh website and was just uh, the first thought i had is dude how does this guy do all this like <laughs> you can do it really well um well look uh let's just start from um start from the beginning man like tell me your background and how you got into hospitality in the first place man i started as a uh, bouncer in a nightclub when i was 19 or 20 and in texas uh, yeah, in Texas and Dallas. Uh, I was actually underage and a buddy of mine was going to go ahead and get me in the club. And, you know, right before I headed over to the club, he calls me and says, hey, you want to work tonight? And I'm like, work, you know, doing what? He's like, yeah, you know, I'm short on bouncers. I'm like, man, I'm, you know, I'm a fat 19-year-old. You know, what do you want me to do? Like, oh, no, everyone is so nice. You know, there's never any fights or anything like that. Uh, you know, just we need help. I'm like, all right. You know, I got there and they, you know, they threw me a t-shirt security across the chest in the back, uh, handed me a 
you know, a, a walkie-talkie and a flashlight. Like, all right, here you go. And that's how it started. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Well, um, okay. So you did that. Obviously, that went well. Um, did you uh, did you immediately – did you start doing – I mean, you start doing more bouncing or did you get – So I was, you know, a bouncer. Initially, that venue was only open one night a week. Uh, yeah. While I was there, uh, you know, I, I I progressed within the company pretty quickly. You know, it was a small company owned by, you know, a guy and his two sons. His sons, you know, were the party age, so they're in their 20s. Okay. Uh, the dad was, you know, the financial backing and the operator uh, that was, you know, he was there to kind of make sure that the place ran correctly. Okay. Uh, you know, just go in early, stay late, kind of help the father kind of operate the business. Uh, you know, I started making 60 bucks an hour for six hours because you know, we were open from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. at the time. And, uh, you know, I would go early. I'd go in at eight o'clock and help the dad set everything up. You know, after close, you know, all my colleagues and all my, you know, friends, the other bouncers, they would leave and go to after hours. But I would just stay back and you know, help the dad close up shop. You know, I would kind of follow him and watch him, you know, close the registers. You know, back then this was had the manual cash registers and you had to take a key to each one and, you know, turn it to the Z and, you know, pull the Z report. Yeah. Uh, so did that with him for a while and kind of just learned the ins and outs. And when it was time for them to bring on a manager, you know, I was the I was just, you know, the natural choice. It made sense. So. From there, I kind of got promoted to an assistant floor manager and worked my way up. Uh, I ended up adding different nights to the uh, to the club. You know, we did an Asian party on a Friday night, you know, that went really well. Like, you know, man, we used to do this all the time. You know, so I went and talked to the promoters. I'm all like, hey, we should do this more often. Uh, so then at that point, you know, we started having a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, you know, and I just worked, you know, it wasn't always busy and fun you know you take your highs with your lows and your lows with your highs so well you know man what you said is like that's the difference to me a lot of times uh that separates people that you know wind up being successful particularly entrepreneurs you came in early and you stayed late and, you, and everybody else, you said, went out. And that's what you do when you're, I mean, you were 19, 20 years yeah. old. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and, and party. I mean, that's, you know, but, but you wanted to understand the business. And you, whether it was, you know, deliberate or, or just how you're wired, you're coming in early and staying late like that to set yourself up. Plus, it gave you this incredible education and opportunity to watch a guy who runs a business and how he does it and learn from him. And so your learning curve just goes like sure. super fast. Um, did you, I mean, like, so you're 19 years old when you started there. Uh, I mean, are you, are you from a, a, a background of entrepreneurs and business owners? Or? Yeah. Well, both my parents are entrepreneurs, business owners. Uh, they're both in the fashion field. Okay. Uh, so they had boutiques, you know, my mom was a fashion designer. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I've seen them kind of work for their pay, you know, since I was a child. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I was at four or five and I would, you know, we lived in France at the time, but, you know, we would hop on the train and we'd go to Italy to go look at fabric manufacturers. Yeah. 
mm. you know, and, you know, props to my parents because they would always bring me along with them no matter where it was. So if it was, you know, we're going to a factory to look at fabric or, you know, I remember, you know, Paris fashion shows and I was, you know, I was the kid running around the showroom, right. you know, uh, watching my parents set up. Okay. Um, so I think that hustle kind of gets instilled in you from a young age where you see that, you know, you, you got to work for it. Yeah, you really do. It's it is, and it is a hustle, and it's a grind. And like you said, there's you know you hear all these stories, um, you know, or you read books, or you 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 hear all the the positive things that have happened to somebody that's been successful, or the the fun stuff. But the reality is, it's a lonely road. It's hard. There's a lot of stress, and it's uh comes back to you. In the end of the day, it's you know it's a big burden to um, to bear. Um, if you have the stomach for it, though, it can also be massively rewarding. Um, did you, so you're there, you're, you're moving up through the ranks, um, at this place, getting promoted, taking more and more responsibility. And then how, how did that lead to you going and did you, did you start your own first restaurant? Did you buy one? Did you buy this one or this? Uh, no, uh, the same family opened up a second location. And okay. since, you know, I was there, I was probably the highest ranking, you know, employee they had. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they offered me to invest in their new location. Okay. Uh, you know, small percent. I paid, you know, $20,000 for 2%. Okay. Uh, and at that point, it didn't really matter if I believed in, you know, in the second venue or not. It was a matter of showing respect to the ownership group that, you know, have allowed me to make really good money at such a young age. Uh, all the experience, you know, I, I just literally just couldn't say no to them. Uh, and whether or not I thought that business was going to succeed like the first one was kind of irrelevant. You know, we all you know thought it was going to do great, and you know you expect it to when you open up a new business. But it didn't matter. You know, it was a price to pay uh, to kind of solidify my position and uh, you know just show my commitment to the family. Yeah. You know, we did that. That second location did really well at first, and then it started to kind of taper off. Uh, the original location kind of had lend its course. You know, nightclubs are very lucrative; they're short short lifespan. Uh, the family decided to close the first location and what remained was the second location. Uh, another minority business partner and I were able to, you know, put together a buyout for the, for the family. And we got one of our other investors that was a part of the business to come in and kind of buy out the original family mm -hmm. and we would operate the second location for them. And we did that for a while. Uh, we had to re recreate the venue, rebrand it, target a new demographic. Uh, went south after a while, got pretty dangerous. You know, after the second shooting we had, I'm like, you know what? I think I'm out. Second uh, shooting? Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, it was targeting a not so favorable crowd at the time. Made a ton of money, but you know, it was just part of the part of what came with it. Yeah, uh, you had fights outside. You know, luckily we never had any issues inside the venue. Uh, but outside, you know, we would, you know, it's interesting because, you know, after the second or third month we were open, you know, I remember every time we'd have a fight inside, I remember this one guy that was standing in the corner and he just, you know, he, he knew everything that was going on. So I went up to him, introduced myself. 
And I'm like, hey, man, I, you know, I know you're connected. I know you see what's going on. You know, why don't you give me a heads up on who the troublemakers are and let, let us, you know, have a safe and enjoyable venue for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, ironically, we became friends with that guy and friendship lasted many, many years. And, you know, he would always kind of give me a heads up like, hey, you know, this group's coming in tonight. You know, they're looking for trouble or, you know, so-and-so are both going to be here. They're, they're not getting along right now. You know, so he was kind of my my intel guy on, you know, how, how to proceed with the night. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, at the time, this was 2004, I want to say. So, I mean, 25, I uh, recently graduated from college. And I just, you know, I wanted to get myself out of that environment. Mm. And I did, you know, that I took a step back in my first weekend off and, you know, six years, I go out with a group of friends and go to a friend's new nightclub. I walk in there and, you know, the service was subpar. I asked the guy, I'm like, Hey, Tommy, who's your VIP manager here? You know, it took us 20 minutes to get a bottle out. I'm like, Oh, VIP manager. What's that? You know? So he brought me on board as a consultant to you know help train his staff to improve service and efficiencies. Um, after my contract was up, he asked me to stay on full time. I was hesitant, but you know it made financial sense. Uh, you know I was making more consulting or helping them run their VIPs two nights a week than I was you know full time with a corporate uh, corporate job with a really good degree from a really good university. Uh, so I took the job and you know. Six months down the road, the GM leaves. And, you know, once again, I was the obvious choice for them. Uh, they offered me the GM position. I had a, a stipulation, like, I'll do it, but I want to be able to close this down in a year or so, rebrand it, rename it, and open it up as a new venue, and I want ownership stake in it. And they obliged, and we did that. So you went, so, okay, so you go, you went to college. Did you go to college down there? And Yeah. I went to SMU, Southern Methodist University out here in Dallas. Wow. Great school. So you go there. What did you major in there? Finance. Okay. Got yeah, it. I had an academic scholarship to go there. Uh, you know, my junior year is when I start bouncing at the nightclub. So I'm, you know, living a double life. I'm managing a nightclub, working at a nightclub at nighttime. The next morning, you know, I, I go to school and, you know, everyone at SMU is in a fraternity or a sorority. You know, it's a very clean cut. Yeah. You know, Greek style university, and there I am. You know, you know. Back then, it says you know, two thousand one, two thousand. You know, we all had these really long sideburns. You know, we had these chops and you know, crazy hair. I mean, it was just you know, the nightclub that we were managing and operating was a very you know rock star lifestyle. Yeah, 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 for sure. There I am at yeah, SMU. You stood out at SMU, dude. I I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so the interesting kind of living that double life. Uh, you know, I had some really good corporate jobs and I did both the corporate stuff and the nightlife stuff for, gosh, I want to say five years. And mm -hmm. finally, I just burnt out and I just couldn't do both anymore. What about the corporate world attracted you? I'm so fascinated with the, the intersection of, you know, um, higher education and corporate America and entrepreneurship. I mean, you I'm sure that getting a finance degree has been very helpful in, in running a business, but I'm, I'm actually surprised a little bit that you doing what you were doing, although you said you got an academic scholarship, you clearly you were a super smart dude, but 
did you feel that pull early? I mean, was the corporate world just the safety and security of a paycheck and, or like, how did you wind up there? You know, I think growing up and seeing my parents kind of go through the struggles that most entrepreneurs see, it's not really something I wanted for myself. You know, I thought, you know, I'd graduate with a good degree. You know, I, I would graduate making 80,000 a year, which is just, I have no idea where I got that number from something in my mind kind of gave me this idea. I think I read it in a book or something that, you know, you graduate and, you know, your first job, you make 80 K a year. Uh, well, then that's not bad, dude. <laughs> oh, no, no, not if it were true. Uh, I graduated shortly after nine 11, you know, the economy was in the gutter and I was lucky enough to find a job. You know, I got a job for 30,000 a year working for, you know, which is what now is chase back then with Washington mutual. Yeah. And, you know, I'm making 30 K a year and my first paycheck for two weeks was less than I would make on a Thursday at the club because I was working, you know, I would make a lot of tips at that venue. And I get my first paycheck and I chuckle to myself. Guy next to me was like, what's funny. I'm like, I literally made more than this last night. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. After all the taxes and everything come out, you're like, Oh, 30 K doesn't go very far. Does it? Yep. Uh, but you know, I think I learned discipline and mm-hmm. how to work a system at college. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I use anything I actually learned in a physics class. Uh, yeah. But I think the education allowed me to get good corporate jobs mm-hmm. and those corporate jobs, especially two of them, you know, I worked for gold gem corporate and the mergers and acquisitions department. And okay. my boss was awesome. He was an Excel whiz, uh, taught me a ton about Excel and taught me a ton about profit and loss statements and forecasting and all that. Yeah. Uh, and then I had another corporate job, which I did franchise finance for Pizza Hut corporate. Okay. And, you know, that correlates most closely to what I do now because, you know, I would review profit and loss statements for restaurants who weren't paying the royalties. You know, corporate was the first person that stopped paying. Yeah. And it would end up on my desk and I look over and I'm like, you know, why isn't this guy paying royalties? You know, he owns 55 restaurants in New Orleans, you know, and you would dig deeper and, you know, you would see either where their issues are or how they're working the system. So it was interesting. I learned a lot. Mm, yeah. Love you learned that. a ton doing that for sure. Well, okay. Then that tracks back to quite a bit of a uh, good training experience that, you know, you, you go in and you, you buy into this organization and that you, you know, started helping out with uh, VIP consulting and everything. And then you're in there um, uh, helping run these, this place. Did you, um, and this was when, like, when did you, when was that? The, the <clears throat> I think that was 2004. Okay. So 2004. So you're still a, Super young man at the time. I was 25 yeah. at the time. 25, yeah. 26. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so you're kind of doing wearing dual hats, corporate America, working these things. When did you, uh, when did you just say, man, I'm, I'm out on the corporate gig and I'm, I'm going all in on, you know, I think it was 2006 or 2007. Uh, <clears throat> my mom was sick and she was in a hospital for an extended period of time. And, you know, my boss at Gold's Gym was super understanding, you know, I would, 
I would take off so much time off of work because, you know, I would go and spend the time with her at the hospital. Yeah. And, you know, I just did both. And I don't feel like he was getting his fair shares worth of what they were paying me at corporate. Yeah. And I just, you know, I will, I remember doing the forecasting for gold's gym next year's budgets. Right. And, you know, you think of Gold's Gym International as a giant, iconic brand. Yeah. Uh, but the finance department, you know, at the time was just my boss and I. And wow. we were really? Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, there was just two people. Is Gold's Gym out of Dallas? A Gold's Gym is owned or was owned at the time by a family based out of Dallas. Okay. Got it. Yeah, they're owned by a company called TRT Holdings. Uh, this billionaire from Dallas had them. And you know, the finance team, we had a CFO, it was my boss and I, uh, you know, initially we were the mergers and acquisitions department, but, you know, it was such a small finance team that we ended up doing, you know, budgeting and forecasting for the following year. I'm sitting there and I'm doing the, you know, the forecast for the following year. And I look and see what the president of the company is making. Uh, I'm like, man, that's, you know, that's really good money, but that's not really good money considering, you know, that's the guy at the very top of this mountain. And right. on the ground level, you know, you're competing with hundreds, if not thousands of people to get to that position. Right. Uh, it'll take you, what, 20 years from where I was, at least to get to, you know, a CEO position. Yeah. And making what he was making, you know, although it's a great living, you know, it's just not what you would think. Now, I was naive enough to, I didn't understand, you know, the stock options or the, the bonuses that, you know, that would probably double, triple or quadruple his earnings. Right. But looking yeah. at the salary, I'm like, man, that's, that's not as much as you would think, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that kind of got stuck in the back of my head. I'm all like, you know, is it worth putting in 30 years fighting, you know, all these people in corporate to get to that position? I don't know. Uh, that, you know, along with my, having to miss work so much. And, you know, what I was doing at nighttime, I just, I'm like, you know, I take a leap of faith and, you know, bet on myself. Luckily my business partner at the time, this very sweet lady, which was like a mom to me. I went up to her and told her that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of quitting my day job. This is how much I'm making a year. This is my, you know, after tax take home. I need to find a way to make this up at the nightclub. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll let's do a deal where I'll add at least that much extra revenue to what we're doing. And the first, I think it was 4,000 goes back to me off the top. She said, mm. okay, no problem, whatever you want. And that's what I did. You know, so the next morning I woke up early, you know, put in my notice. Then after that, I just started working on the club stuff. I'm like, all right, this month I need to make at least 10 grand extra in revenue at the nightclub. You know, so I would feel okay taking the first 4K off the top for myself to make up for what I was taking home from Gold yeah. Gym. And, you know, it's a hustle mentality. You know, you start getting creative on how to make an extra, you know, 5,000 here, an extra 4,000 there, you know, you get there. So you were in a situation where you had to figure it out and you were focused and, you know, that's, that's a good situation to be in and, and, and because you kind of didn't have a choice. 
uh, so, you know, they say des desperation is the mother of all invention. Not, you, not that you were desperate, but certainly you were in a situation where you, you, you know, you, you left your, um, your safety blanket, um, and went after it. I love that, man. Um, and the focus too, because now, you, now you're, now you're locked in and you're hundred percent focused and, and not having, you know, trying to balance those two things with the amount of, um, experience and energy that you have probably, I would guess you figured that 10,000 out pretty fast and you're from there on, I would imagine things took off fairly quickly for you. Yeah. You know, well, we've had our, you know, our, our downfalls as well. I invested and created and opened up a, you know, a, a, I don't want to call it a fine dining restaurant, but an upscale restaurant. And, you know, I was going to do an upscale restaurant and lounge concept, uh, wasn't expecting it to be a nightclub for grownups, uh, divorce stays, hired, disposable income, you know, not as much competition where you have to go out and fight for the same, you know, two, 3,000 people that go out every weekend. Yeah. And it failed miserably. Uh, you know, we lost a ton, a ton of money. Uh, you know, we, that's, ironically, I learned the most from that failing concept and, you know, you learn what to do and what not to do for the future. Yes. Uh, but, you know, it was a very dark few years business-wise. When was that? 2010 through the end of 2013. Well, you know, uh, that's right, man. My, my grandfather used to, it's, he used to say the best wit bought wit. Um, yep. I mean, like, you, you, you know, that's where you're going to get your, your, you know, learn your best lessons and your, your, get your best wisdom is, is through having those failures. And, uh, man, it's, a it's part of, it's part of, you know, start being an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you almost, in some ways you, you don't want to welcome failure, but you do, it helps you narrow down. Okay. I had this, like, that doesn't work. No problem. Because now I know, like, I won't ever spend any energy trying that again. And now you just keep narrowing down like what you're really good at. And you've gotten there now through, you know, a, a decade after that, but you narrow down, okay, these are the things I know we can do and we can do well. And then now we can replicate that over and over. Um, and uh, that's, man, I love that, dude. I love your story. I, I, I love the, um, and the fact that you've, you've gone from that to now you've got, I mean, you got a heck of a business you're running there. Um, you must have a lot of good people helping you. Yeah, we have a really good team. I have a great business partner right now that, you know, he's like a brother and, you know, we, we complement each other's skill set. We're very different people. Yeah. Uh, you know, the core, we have the same values, which I think are key. Yeah. Uh, we're both family guys. We both have wives and kids. And, you know, at the end of the day for us, the goal is to create something that's longstanding and it's a business. Uh, most people in my profession, especially on the nightclub side, you know, they get in it for the wrong reasons. You know, they get in it to party or the girls or the drinking, you know, it, it's a fun job, you know? Uh, so for us, we, we actually treat it like a business, you know, if it doesn't make dollars, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, and my partner is great at kind of, for him, everything is very black and white and it's all about the dollars and cents. I get carried away sometimes with, oh, no, it's good for branding and marketing and, you know, it's this and that. He's very, 
he's very blunt when it comes down to like it's just it's just not worth the money uh and it's not gonna you know we're not gonna have anything to take home from this idea so you know she just doesn't believe in some of them and you know sometimes we'll go to bat and like every good partnership we've learned to give and take yeah sometimes if you see them super passionate on something no matter how stupid the idea is hopefully support it uh and vice versa you know sometimes i'll really want to do something and he'll just be against it yeah. and although i deep down i really want to do it i'll just kind of like you know what okay that's fine you know you're, you're more passionate than i am about it so we'll go with your gut on this one well it's an important part of partnership for sure any business yeah. partnership you've got to have you know no knowing your own strengths and weaknesses being self-aware enough to know the things you're not good at finding people that you know have those strengths and and y'all have that good balance of like the creative and the idea side coming from you and then the, the data and the, the, you know, the no nonsense, black and white analytical side. So, uh, and you probably get a lot of what he's, where he comes at it from just doing all the financial planning you've done in the past, I would imagine. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, for example, there was a location we looked at and, you know, we, we started negotiating the lease, you know, the location I very strongly believed in. And, you know, I had my blinders on on how much it's actually going to cost, not just to open it, but the monthly expenses in order for that place to be able to sustain itself. And I'm just looking at, you know, I'm looking at the upside and how much revenue we can bring in. Yeah. And he, you know, he keeps telling me, like, you know, your rent is just too expensive here. And I'm just blinded by, I'm, I'm blinded by all that. I'm like, well, no, but we can make this much money. And, you know, he's all like, well, what if you have, three bad months, you know, the, your break even is so high here that it may not make sense. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make sense, you know, and for me, I'm like, oh, but you know, but the good months, you know, and back and forth. And finally you just said like, Hey, you know what? I just have a bad feeling about it. And the second he said that I'm like, all right, I respect that. We'll back off. Good. You know, at that point, I, well, if you really want to do it, we can do it. I'm like, no, if, if your gut's telling you, no, we're going to roll with that. So good, man. You got good trust for each other. That's yeah. such a hard thing to find. And, and, uh, you know, we feel so lucky here at schedule flocks. We, you know, for 15 years now, we've learned to rely on each other, trust each other. And it's, you know, and then you look around, you see a lot of business people where the, you know, the business has tough times and things, you know, sure. apart or somebody wants to go one way, somebody wants to go the other and it, it's tough. So it's a big part of, um, building a successful business. And, um, you uh have done that well man so you i mean you've got so you've got all these places now and then you said you're importing uh tell me about you know, that. it's funny so you know in the nightclub world and bottle service you know there's this thing called confetti poppers and once you get a bottle service table at a nightclub whether it's vegas la new york miami uh you know they'll bring out this tube and they'll you know they'll twist the tube and confetti shoots out yeah. And, you know, it's all the rage. People love it. Right. And we were buying locally and the local vendors, you know, and not even local to, to Dallas, to, to the U S they're always sold out, hard to get expensive. Uh, whenever we would get a shipment, you know, we would buy in semi bulk just to have it, you know, for several months. And, you know, finally, like, you know what, let's go source it. We had a, my business partner had a friend that had connections in China and, you know, we, we, had somebody create it for us and, you know, we started shipping our own 
and it was just for our own venues, but you know, all of our friends and colleagues knows they knew that we had stock. They didn't know that we were importing them, but you know, they would call like, hey, you guys have any poppers? You know, can I buy a case off of you or two cases off of you? You know, like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, great relationship with all of our colleagues. You know, you kind of like borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbor. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. eventually it got to the point that, you know, people were hitting us up all the time. So like, you know what, if we're going to import it for ourselves anyways, we'll place a larger order. You know, it'll get discounted just because your volume goes up. Yeah. Uh, so we started doing that. And, you know, my business partner, she's been passionate about this and it's really grown into something special. Uh, you know, the few key items that we import, mostly for nightclub related stuff. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, he just created that business on a whim from, you know, literally nothing. And now it's, you know, it's a huge part of our part of our company, which is nice. So awesome, man. How many, uh, how many people do y'all employ? <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, I know. I could. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I think overall with independent contractors, uh, company-wide, I think we're about a 340, 360 employees. So more. that's a lot of people, um, you know, you have a responsibility for. And then two years ago, everything shut down, man. How, tell me about y'all's experience through COVID and what that meant to the business and your you team. Know, you wake up one day and at the time we had seven locations, you know, you wake up and all seven locations are closed. Yeah. Uh, and you think what to do. And, you know, we, we were mandated to close down. Uh, and, you know, you, tough, tough phone calls you have to make to all your employees. Like, Hey, listen guys, you know, we're going to take a break and, you know, we'll reopen when it's safe to do so. Uh we financially, we provided some help to the employees that really needed it. Uh, you know, our, our doors are always open and, you know, we're, we're friendly with our staff. You know, our cell phone numbers are published at every store. Uh, they know how to get a hold of us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we also got creative, you know, during the shutdown. You know, a lot of places, restaurants, you know, were selling you know, toilet paper and, you know, ground beef out of their kitchens. You know, we, we started selling bottle service and uh, mm. you know, we would, we would deliver bottle service to your location. You know, we would have one or two girls and we would have, uh, you know, a bouncer that would go with them and, you know, we would bring a party, you know, and times were so gloomy at the time that people loved the fact that, you know, they were able to have a little bit of fun. You know, you'd have girls, you know, with the confetti poppers and sparklers and all that stuff. Uh, they would come to your home and they would, you know, bring out bottle service and it allowed the employees to make some money doing so. But at the same time, it would also kind of bring in some revenue to the businesses, which allowed us to pay for some stuff that we needed to. Did you, um? so we had the, you know, we had PPP, and then we had these ERCs, I think, employee retention credits. You yep. guys went through all that process. For all we did work. PPP. Uh, we're actually just now looking in the employee retention uh, credits. And it's actually on my to-do list for this week. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, we, we never did the employee retention credit. We did PPP. We got the SBA loans. Yeah. Uh, but we turned around and we paid back all the SBA loans. 
uh, once we reopened, we didn't want to accrue the interest. Yeah. Although it was very, you know, it was a very low interest rate, but it just didn't make sense to pay interest if you didn't need the funds anymore. Uh, so we went ahead and paid back all of our SBA loans. Do you know that we, um, you may, I don't, if you have not logged in in the last couple of weeks, or you may not have seen this, but you know, we had a, uh, we uh, introduced a company called Unclaimed Credits that um, we know that are here in North Carolina and they are uh, experts at going out and finding, you know. Oh, nice. I didn't yeah, know that. Do you, if you want, man, offline, like I can hook you up with this Ken, who's uh, one of the co-founders. And um, they've been talking to, you know, a fair number of our customers and helping people find money that, you know, some that were already, that had already re- claim them and then you know but there were other opportunities that were missed or uh you know ones that haven't done it yet if you want i can hook you up with kim man you guys might yeah that'd be great yeah for sure i would appreciate that i'll definitely do that we'll do that um when we get done i'll I'll make that introduction and uh so you and your partner are both uh you said you're both family men you got and you've got kids how many kids do you have yeah i've got two little boys two little how old are they two and a half and five and a half Oh, you got your hands full, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun. My kids are a little bit older now, but um, they're awesome. They're amazing. Well, it's an interesting dynamic when you introduce a family and do, you know, you're, it's one thing to have a business that, you know, your livelihood depends on that. Now, you, then you have a family and you have kids and you think about, you know, them and their future and how does this business help support that and what does it mean to them? And it really gives it uh an even greater sense of purpose. Sure. At least that's what I've found um, as my kids have grown over the years. Um, and it's a, it's also an, an interesting thing trying to find, find balance, right. Yeah. Between home and, and work. And do you, do you, is that something you struggle with or? Yeah. You know, and our line of business, especially because the hours we keep, uh, yeah. you know, Unlike most nine to fivers, I can't go home after being at the office all day and turn my phone off. Or, you know, your phone doesn't get a lot of uh, a lot of business inquiries. Or if it is, it can wait. With us, since we have venues open until two in the morning, there's always something. Especially if you have a newer venue yeah. and they haven't gone through everything that could happen. Yeah. You know, just, I mean, you know, Saturday night I was away till you know three in the morning, laying in bed because the nightclubs open and. Issues happen, you know, credit cards not going through. What do we do? You know, just my minor things that it takes time for a new venue for them to go through everything that can go wrong. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard. You know, we, we have a rule, no phones at the dinner table. Yeah. Uh, so when, when I get home and it's time for dinner, you know, my phone stays on the kitchen counter and we sit at the table and have dinner. Uh, I make sure to, you know, we spend a lot of family time together. Yeah. And I wish some of that wasn't interrupted by the phone, but, but I, I think I do a pretty decent job uh, disconnecting when I have to and giving them our full attention. Well, you're probably a big benefactor of, you know, a lot of the tech, like iPhones and the technology now that say, like you said, you were laying in the bed till three, but better than being there on site till three. Even when you got into the business, it would have been a lot more rigorous with, you know, having to be somewhere it was so much harder back then, even just, you know, 15, 20 years ago to yeah. 
get in touch with people. So, um, well, so you've been at this game for a long time, man. What do you tell people that come to you that are young, that are thinking about getting into hospitality? I mean, there's, you know, there's, you kind of have to, I mean, it's a tough business. You kind of have to love it. Um, and if you love it, then you can probably be successful at it. But if you don't love it, it's, it's probably a, a tough one, but I'm curious what you tell people that, you know, are young and maybe a little naive that are like, Hey, I want to do what you do. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a lot more that goes into it than people see. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people will see that, you know, we have a bunch of logos under our, our corporate name on the back of a hoodie and they're like, Oh, I want to do that one day. You know, they just don't understand what it, you know, the amount of work that goes into create every single one of those logos, you know, and those venues and those brands, uh, you know, we are in the fun business, you know, we're serving food, drinks, you know, a good time. So sometimes people fail to realize that it's actually work. You know, it's not just being at the club till two in the morning is not, that's not the bulk of the job. You know, the bulk of the job being is being at the office at 9am the next day, and working that whole day to make sure that the club is busy when you get there at 10 p.m. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I've kind of realized lately with the younger younger kids is they just want immediate satisfaction. And, mm. you know, I have a, you know, an employee who's, you know, I think, 26, 27. And he just, you know, he wants to make a million dollars a year. I'm like, it doesn't really work that way, man. You got to, you know. It's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll never get to be where you are if this is how much I'm making. Like, well, you know, you, you got to trust yeah. the process, you know. But I have another guy. Uh, he's in charge of our college and marketing, uh, and he's about to graduate. And he turned down, you know, a very lucrative, lucrative job offer to stay on with us and make a lot less, you know. But he's passionate about the business and. You know, he's got this mentality that, you know, he just wants to provide uh, experiences for people to enjoy life because life is short. And you know, he said, yeah, I can go work for my, he can go work for his brother and be a stockbroker or, you know, work in that financial sector and make, you know, 150K a year at 25, but he'd rather stay back and help throw parties and, you know, create a safe place for people to come out and make memories, you know, and it's, he gets it, you know. That's cool. So that's cool yeah, when the money isn't the primary driver. Yeah, money was the primary driver for me early on, for sure. And um, you start to learn that that's not really what what that should be the the byproduct. Um, but what he'll do is he'll wind up being super successful at what he does. I bet that's exactly right. And he'll move up the ranks in your business because you're growing business, which provides opportunities for people to grow, and then. He's going to call you one day and be like, hey, man, like, you know, I'm going, you know, I've got my own, pl- whatever. And then you'll be his biggest right. supporter and, and an advocate. But that that mentality is super, super wise for yeah. a young man that age. So hats off, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And the other one, if he wants to make them like, you know, maybe he will, but he better, you know, it's it's a lot of rolling up the sleeves and, and uh it, it's it sounds glamorous, but man, it is a hard, tough road to haul to get there. Um, which is why so few people do because people yeah. give up on that. It's hard for a long, long time, and a lot of people just don't have the stamina and you know long term vision. And um, it's, it's not an easy one to it's not an easy road to hoe for sure. No, definitely not. 
Um, well, dude, I'm so glad that we got to talk. I'm glad I got to, you know, the, the one of the things that's come out of this, this whole COVID mess that I have enjoyed is, is that Zoom is, you know, it's just become a common thing or sure. some version of it or whatever. So it's really nice because we're so disconnected, you know, I mean, people are using our software and we try to take great care of them and, you know, it's a subscription thing and we don't, you know, it's just, I mean, I've been doing the podcast for a long time solely for the reason of just being able to talk to people, but now being able to see people. Yeah, it's that's so awesome. cool, man. It's just, a, a, you know, it's the closest we'll get to connecting unless, you know, next time I'm in Dallas, whenever that may be, I'm obviously going to be calling you. But um, Absolutely. but I appreciate this, man. I really enjoy yeah, it a well, lot. Thank you so much, man. And appreciate all you guys that support. We, we love using Schedule Fly, And, you know, I think we've been with you guys since 2013, 14. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Long time, and we appreciate it, man. And you and I have talked many times. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of more more, more formally meet. And um, I'm going to uh, – I got a box of hats and socks I'm going to shoot down to you. I so, appreciate uh, it, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Sam, I will um, – I'm going to follow up, and I'll get you uh, – I'll get you connected with Ken Romley at Unclaimed Credits, and, you know, maybe they can help. Uh, yeah, they can. that'd be great. I appreciate it. Okay. All right, well, thank you so much. Have a good one, man. Enjoy your day, sir. Bye-bye. All right, bye.